listeners, it's Morgan from H Industries. Thanks for tuning in again. So today we're going to talk about the white paper that I recently got returned to me by the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, Transactions on Applied Superconductivity. They said this paper was out of their scope. So initially I submitted a very generalist paper uh, to the journal and I was hoping that they'd say yes to it but understandably, it skipped over a fair few details. I wanted to present a thought experiment and get the concept across, and then based on their feedback, I'd add detail when and where needed. So that was January. I spent three months working and stressing to craft and entirely remodel that paper to the one that's before you today. Now, I got the rejection on Thursday evening, which, you know, that's fine. Again, not terribly unexpected, and hence I'm now allowed to release this. This paper is available on TechRevex, and papers like that are not peer-reviewed and accepted for the journal, but they're at least able to be uploaded. So, without further ado, I would like to read you a piece of work that I am incredibly proud of. It is an academic paper. It is a little dense on the jargon. So for those of you looking for a less technical podcast to listen to, I suggest you skip to the next one. For those of you who are still staying tuned, uh, we're going to work through success criteria and derivation for the swarm satellite application of pulsed superconductive solenoids in freight transport. Now onto the abstract. Theoretically, high-energy pulsed solenoids could be mounted in a satellite frame to deliver pulsed electromagnetic propulsion. A swarm of satellites arranged in a square pyramid is theorized to create a distributed propulsion method for freight transport. Multivector propulsion systems are used in boats with multiple propellers where the focal point of harmonized wave interaction imparts the maximum propulsion vector. Before modeling wave interactions, and distributed inertial masses, the foundational theories of electromagnetism must be examined in context and a success criterion developed to indicate if the proposed design is capable of producing the required force against the object above's inertia. An analytical solution to the iron cord thin solenoid interacting with a flat pancake solenoid is investigated with the proposed high energy pulsed solenoid design. The force enhancement of the yoke rod's higher relative permeability is found to be a field-limited nonlinear multiplier that can be included in contextual electromagnetic equation derivations. This inclusion is investigated in design scenarios then discarded as it is one of two sources of large variance in electromagnetic results, the other being decomposition of the homogeneous metal plate into a pancake coil equivalent resistance circuit or ERC. The success criterion is isolated from the formula, then compared to the proposed requirements to assess viability. The reduction of the electromagnetic force formulation to a multiplier of the current induced in the object above forms a very clear success criterion for design inspection of pulsed electromagnets in relation to the force required for the specified freight transport capacity. Now we're moving into introduction, and then we'll go on to establish the problem context. We'll go through a literature review of superconductive solenoid design before digging into determining inductance and the applied force derivation. So, it is proposed that an analytical treatment of particle accelerator loops and high-energy pulsed solenoid advancements can be applied to satellite orbital transfer maneuvers with scaled designs propelling steel shipping containers. This translation of magnetic levitation, or maglev, mechanics between two elliptical contexts is first considered geometrically to frame the problem before the method of action is inspected. If the concept is able to be validated analytically, the system can then be built in MATLAB to publish research on design and manufacturing. A satellite is stationary 
in its own orbital frame of reference, acting like a rail in comparison to a moving train overhead. When many are joined together in a tight-knit swarm, the arrangement of geometries form the architectural components of larger, stationary, orbital structures. A flat square grid array of satellites fitted with scaled HEPs creates several meter area maglev launch platform. Each solenoid is capable of pulsing high strength electromagnetic field lines that expand as an ellipsoid, a 3D elliptical shape defined by the winding length and thickness of the magnetic coil. A conductive object such as a steel shipping container placed directly above the array will be affected by multiple maglev pulse vectors, creating a larger net velocity by vector combination. The pulsed electromagnetic field's area of intercept is defined by the ellipsoid which intersects as a circle on the xy plane in the object above surface. This circle is the area of induction affected by the pulsed electromagnetic field surface so is treated as an equivalent resistance circuit of a single wire, also known as a pancake coil. This system of interactions will be framed analytically using a construction of multiple sources in respective areas to define the problem and its bounds in electromagnetic theory and current research. Once the problem is defined, a success criterion is isolated to assess whether the solenoid design's inductive force generation exceeds the object above's inertia and whether propulsion is successful. Conceptually, it is considered that the problem has two components, the foundational physics of multiple fields being wholly functional and the physical components functioning in the proposed orbital environment. Broad literature reviews have concluded that no singular aspect of context or design prevents function, so the proposed concept must be viable by conclusion. The electromagnetic analysis of the proposed interaction is the purpose of this paper and podcast, with component technologies detailed before the designers assessed in relation to the problem. Moving on to the context, the vacuum of space is cold and causes no drag on propulsion or hindrance to electromagnetic fields, presenting advantageous operating conditions for distributed maglev propulsion. This problem is framed analytically in ideal conditions to isolate the interaction of one satellite to its object above. The mechanics of this interaction can be viewed in the ring launcher experiment, where the maglev effect is demonstrated by propelling a small steel ring upwards from its original position, sitting on top of a solenoid as current flows into the coil. The calculated force, required to lift the ring against gravity, is compared to the force experienced between the applied and the induced magnetic fields to determine if lift is achievable. These mechanics are replicated in the satellite swarm as each satellite's pulse acts as a ring launcher and each parallel layer acts as a flat plate pushing upwards from its position just like a maglev rail. In total, this system of parallel layers acts like the coils of a large maglev spring. The swarm base layer must be held in a fixed orbital position requiring thrust or offset during launch. However, all forces are distributed across the electromagnetically XY tethered layers that act as combined inertial masses. In this context, the square arrangement of four satellites below each higher layer object and combination of the four pulse vectors generates a combination vector in the z direction at a tangent to the system's orbital arc. The object's center of mass is then moved along the resultant sum of vectors by the net forces work. Application of this procedure in reverse would then be capable of decelerating payloads at the destination swarm. This novel propulsion method is not possible in single-point thrust designs and is only functional in the advantageous orbital setting. Satellite design is considered as a component size constraint, and the operational limitations such as heat loss, solar absorption, and orbital maintenance are beyond the scope of this paper. These factors and others will be addressed by modeling and research, provided the electromagnetic problem construction, context and solution are validated. No further treatment is given to the orbital context in this paper as the electromagnetic interaction is the core problem to resolve 
and there is a wide variety of research available in the development and cutting edge of satellite componentry. The satellite frame material selection determines the mechanical stress limits, while power storage subcomponents establish the maximum power supply limit. Literature on various material limits establish the boundary conditions of the problem, and the current design thinking establishes relative sizing of components within the satellite's available volume. Evaluation of the concept within the framework of material limits is sought by deriving a simple propulsion success criterion from the construction of the problem. Provided the foundational mechanics are valid, no material limits are exceeded, and the success criterion is satisfied, the proposed design is theoretically capable of propelling a shipping container on an unpowered interorbital arc for arrival in an extraterrestrial orbit. Now moving on to superconductive solenoid design. A literature review of the current state of design is presented to define the proposed design and material limits to be assessed. In 1911, the Dutch physicist H. Kamerlein Ernst discovered the phenomenon of superconductivity with the vanishing of electrical resistance in some materials at very low temperatures. The discovery inspired him to propose a 10 Tesla solenoid two years later based on a superconducting coil cooled with liquid helium. Yet it took more than 50 years to realize this design in practice. In 1989, Murakawa et al. at Tohoku University in Japan built the first of a series of a new class of resistive magnets that were referred to as repeating pulse magnets, which provide pulsed fields of a few millisecond duration as high as 25 tesla once every two seconds. These repetitively pulsed magnets were first built in a solenoid configuration, much like Kamalea Ohn's proposed coil design. Today, Pioneering research is being conducted by several high magnetic field centers around the world, which are all pushing for over 100 T field strengths and up to several second pulse lengths. Side note, we have achieved 100 T quite comfortably, several seconds, we've got a bit to go on. Now, particle accelerators have used superconductive components for many years to achieve the required energy densities in size-constrained underground tunnels. The superconductors allow current densities orders of magnitude greater than the regular resistive conductive materials like copper. Initially, small accelerators used strings of permanently active electromagnets to create a controlled turning path for particle beams, but with developments in high-energy pulsed electromagnetics across the past two decades, this has changed. Development of high-energy pulse solenoids, or HEPs, has allowed a series of timely pulses to turn the particle beam's direction, reducing accelerator energy costs and rapidly advancing electromagnetic design and research. The progress in pulsed high magnetic field research in the last two decades was driven by the transition to multi-coil superconductive solenoid designs and capacitor power systems. The addition of multiple concentric coils, each pulsing as the successive outer coils are energized, is the key to reaching 100 T fields and beyond. The design improvements and high energy density components required to achieve such a field enables high quality, high power solenoids scaled to a small satellite capacitor system's power output. A field of 100 T plus is likely not required in the proposed context, but this will be inspected at a later stage. Magnet designers frequently trial improvements on 0.5 meter to 2 meter test coils, and a review of papers on small bore coils shows that high field pulses are achievable in a satellite deployable package. By using the highest current densities available, the solenoid's pulse wave induces the strongest current in the object above, and the induced field repulsion force is maximized, as shown in below in section 4. As researchers optimized niobium titanium cables almost to their material limits, niobium tin has seen increased development as the next generation substitute due to its higher temperature, field strength, and current density capabilities. Niobium tin is superconductive below 18.1K, with a maximum critical field strength of 25T. If the material exceeds either of these limits, then a quench occurs where superconductivity is lost and the pulse power must be diverted. 
Later research has refined the thermodynamic field strength surface that bounds the material's superconductive state, and the field penetration depth as the effect is lost in a quench. The critical surface of niobium tin is shown in figure 2 of the paper, with a reference density of 3000 amps per millimeter squared across the superconductive area selected. While fabrication advancements have led to the optimization of niobium-titanium cabling, the fundamental design has not changed since its creation at the Rutherford Appleton Laboratories. The Rutherford cable is the most widely used cable type in accelerator magnets. A Rutherford cable is composed of fully transposed twisted strands shown in figure three of the paper. The cable critical current, IC, is the sum of each strand's critical current. The Rutherford cable is still used today because it is permeable to liquid coolants due to its braided structure, and the two layers of fully transposed strands limit non-uniform current distribution within the cable, caused by the cable's self-field and the flux linkage between strands. There are three highly stressed sections of a Rutherford cable pulse solenoid, and it's the copper wire matrix around the filaments, the epoxy reinforcement, and the cable, or core strips, midplane. In figure three, you can see the winding and a great diagram of the von Mies stress distribution between a non-cord cable and one with a steel shank running through the center. The feasibility of fabricating Rutherford cables with internal austenitic steel strips was demonstrated for the rapid cycling synchrotron project at GSI. Austenitic steel strips provide structural reinforcement, as seen above in figure 3, and reduce electrical losses from interstrand coupling currents. By placing a 25 micrometer thick and 8 millimeter wide austenitic steel core inside the Rutherford cable for GSI's fast pulse synchrotron SIS 300, the cross resistance in the cable was increased tenfold with respect to the relativistic heavy ion collider cable. RHIC being the earlier accelerator. Coils designed with thinner wiring and more turns perform better analytically, but this results in the need for a higher voltage power supply. It is more practical to use multi-coils where a number of coaxial coils are energized independently. Multi-coil design is now generally accepted as the requirement for generating 80 to 100 T fields in non-destructive pulsed magnets where lifetimes are in the 10,000 to 200,000 pulse range, depending on configuration, field, and repetition rate, etc. A number of techniques can be applied to design and optimize a magnet for the intended use case. For example, genetic algorithms were used to find the ideal coil configuration of the dipole magnet of the SIS-300 accelerator project. Despite the variety of development and optimization techniques, each design must be constructed as a finite element mesh for numerical modeling. A strong coupling of field calculations, thermal simulations, and analysis is presented in reference to for solenoids and in references 28, 34, and 58 for Rutherford windings. The thermal, electromagnetic, and stress problems are solved on the same finite element mesh for each step. However, fine-grained meshing and synergetic behaviors make this approach computationally expensive. The simplification of finite element geometries can deliver some benefit. However, as the same calculations will be replicated in each satellite, an array representative of the swarm can remove detailed analysis of each element to enable a reasonable runtime. With the advance of modeling tools and research, it was determined that the performance of pulsed magnets is governed by the ability of the coil's material to cope with the Lorentz forces and internal heating. The maximum field strength is limited by the power distribution buzz bar's mechanical strength, while pulse duration is limited by the power supply and heat capacity of the coil. This requires a rapidly discharged power source, an efficient refrigeration system to reduce the heat generated by the intense electrical input, required for each pulse. To address the thermal constraints that limits pulse duration, the use of liquid helium coolant baths is industry standard. During a pulse, coils heat up due to the large amount of electrical energy coursing through the material lattice. 
So to cool them down again, ready for the next pulse, requires direct liquid cooling. Liquid helium is preferred for its almost zero viscosity and high specific heat capacity as a phase two liquid when beneath 2.17 K. Beneath the phase transition surface, liquid helium acts as a solid with almost perfect conduction. The lack of viscosity allows the fluid to fill in micrometer gaps to give complete surface coverage of coiled cabling. The removal of bubbles or air gaps in the cable or its wrapped reinforcement ensures that no sites form thermal stress points for cool and boil off and result in quench propagation. The heat absorption capacity of the coolant bath is defined by the volume and the flow rate, which must be balanced against the input electrical joule heating of the coil in line with the selected safety systems such as quench heaters. Cooling of a superconductive solenoid can thus be reduced to an energy cost based on the refrigeration and fluid control components optimized at a point of peak current in the coil, just beneath the material's quench surface where superconductivity is lost and the magnetic field collapses back within the cable itself. As the optimization of any multi-coil solenoid design is strongly related to the available energy supplies for the subcoils, the power storage system is the final component for general inspection. Given the proposed context, the highest current density will be selected before follow-on requirements are optimized. In niobium tin superconductors, this is a reference density of 3000 amps per millimeter square and thus cable wire count is defined by the maximum power supply available within the available volume minus the operational requirements such as cooling. Satellite power systems have progressively shifted from nickel metal hydroxide to lithium ion since the early 2000s and this trend is mirrored in pulse magnetic researchers increased use of capacitor power supplies for multi-coil HEP systems as seen in references 17, 18, 54, 62, and 63. A number of chemistry and electrode options are being investigated to improve existing capabilities, as no transformationally new technology has commercialized successfully since lithium ion. The proposed solenoids power system will thus be based on nickel metal hydroxide or lithium ion capacitors, as the industry standard with improvements sought from low-temperature capacitor research chemistries, high-current transformer input designs, and a growing body of electric vehicle research. The proposed context requires maximizing mutual inductance and the peak current density. While there are many similarities to the presented accelerator electromagnet research, there are components such as the pulse transformers that will require tailored design solutions to produce an optimized pulse wave profile. The design and limits defined by this literature review are now presented in a sample coil for inspection. For the proposed coil design, resulting inductances are found and force between objects computed to determine if propulsion is viable. Analysis of this novel propulsion method uses ideal conditions that remove many of the considerations of reality as mentioned before. These initial simplifications are necessary to demonstrate the multifaceted concept is theoretically sound and analytically functional before inclusion in further research and Simulink modeling that can examine and document the effect of these factors in detail. Now moving on to determining inductance. For those still listening, I suggest you have a quick look at the paper and there you will see most of the results that I will skip past. There is quite a number of electromagnetic formula and the first is showing two different sources because there is a large degree of inconsistency in the literature representation. Now, as the calculation goes through, it shows how these are equivalent, which we'll get to in a little bit. And there is a circuit diagram to show the representation of the equivalent resistance circuit along with a whole series of dot points on all the results. Now I will skip over most of the formulas while reading through the next section and only really mention the pertinent results. To demonstrate the concept and in interactions, an iron yoked single coil solenoid of the following design is considered. A yoke of 99.8 iron with a relative permeability of mu r 5000. 
the permeability of the vacuum mu zero is four pi by 10 to the minus seven. The coil wire is a powder in tube niobium tin constructed as a cord Rutherford cable of six wires. The wire current density capability is 3000 amps per millimeter squared with a turn count of 200 and a coil overall length of half a meter. The inner radius of 0.0225 meters has an outer radius of 0.0361 meters and a coil B factor of 0.25. Inductance must be found first to determine the solenoid's current creation capability in the equivalent resistance circuit, or ERC, of the object above, whether that is a satellite or a cargo plate. Then, the resultant field interaction force must be found. If this exceeds the inertial force requirement of the proposed 2000 kilo freight mass, then Magalev cargo acceleration is successful. Inductance is a measure of influence that an electromagnetic field has on the object above surface and to a skin penetration depth relative to the applied field strength. The field lines intersect with the conducting material and create a circular current around their intercept, the pancake coil or ERC. In more conducting materials and contexts, there is a lower electrical resistance, so a greater current is induced. Finding the current created in the object above ZRC is thus the key to validating the interaction. To find the current created by the solenoid in the object above ZRC, the self-inductance of each component is found, then used to determine their mutual inductance as a system. Two comprehensive treatments for solenoid analysis are reference 52 and 31. However, neither completely address the proposed design. The self-inductance formula above do not distinguish between resistive or superconductive material selection, but rather by inclusion of a yoke rod's enhancement of the magnetic relative permeability in the center of the coil and their treatment of the solenoid's winding influence. The multiplicative effect of enhancing magnetic permeability within the coil's yoke rod is visible in the inductance and force generation formula detailed in 52, and further discussed in the force derivation section below. Now, magnet designers use the Fabry factors alpha and beta to describe the solenoid shape and classify solenoid design subtypes. The coil radii and length characteristics determine the Fabry factors and later elliptic integral results as shown below, classifying the proposed solenoid as a thin-walled solenoid inside the satellite. Now, Fabry factor alpha is literally outer radius over inner radius, and Fabry factor beta is B factor over inner radius, giving a result of 1.6 and 11.1 .1 respectively. Equating the self-inductance calculations above to find their differences and focus on the coils alone gives the following equivalence when removing the yoke's multiplicative influence, as seen in equation 5. The reduction of the comparison above to inner radius is equivalent to outer radius results in agreement of the formula on a hypothetical coil width of zero, where inner radius equals outer radius. This is not unreasonable for the object above's theoretical ERC, but gives an appreciable difference of 1.6 when comparing the self-inductance of source 52 to the results from source 31 for the tape-wound solenoid. Given the latter's topic is case studies in superconductive magnet design, reference 31's formula will be preferred. Despite this variance in the literature, it is evident that the yoke rod's enhancement of magnetic permeability within a coil is a linear multiplier, though this effect diminishes and requires numerical methods once the yoke is saturated, according to source 31. In quadrupole accelerator magnets with fields well above one tesla, the exterior yoke is a minor field component. Thus, the factor is actually a function and design-specific modeling is required to determine the realistic effect between minor enhancement and linear multiplication. Despite this source of variance, it is clear that any conductive yoke enhances an electromagnetic field, thus inductance and force applied. This gives a rational basis for inclusion of mu r in Formula 1. For the proposed solenoid design, despite the variance in magnitude and the potential for function substitution.
Following these formula through with the sample gives results from point 0025 to 1.2. As you can see, quite a wide variance. Now to determine the inductance of the flat metal launch plate LP, the ERC is considered as a single wire pancake coil acting as the second component of the two coil interaction. The proposed context can then be analyzed using Source 31's assessment of thin solenoid to pancake coil interactions as seen in section 3.8.1, as there is no material specification factors between the superconductive solenoid coil or a resistive metal plate ERC. The sufficient ERC in the object above acts as a simple circuit of a single coil of wire as seen below in figure four. In the proposed context where the cargo plate is suspended above a square array of satellites, the voltage source represents the net effect of the induced fields. To decompose this problem, the interaction of an individual satellite's solenoid and their sub-ERC's area of effect is analyzed. The inductive voltage generation of material resistance to the plate provides the inputs to resolve the circuit. The sub-ERC and plate-wide ERC are identical in structure, and their recombination and holistic result is discussed further below. To determine the Fabry factors of the sub-ERC pancake coil, a theoretical wire width and coil height must be found. The square plate's overall radius, AP, affected by each satellite, AE, is considered geometrically at first as the length of one side divided by the number of satellites that plate edge rests upon, divided in half to give radius. While there may be inductive field overlaps in reality, this theoretical division gives a bound to one satellite's area of effect and thus defines a maximum possible size for each sub-ERC. The array of values between this maximum and the minimum at AE equals zero must be tested to evaluate the real intercept boundary. From the equations one and three above, it can be seen that the choice of inner radius, AEI and API, has a significant effect on results by substantially increasing the alpha Fabry design factor at lower values. The coil height is defined by the plate's thickness and can also be substituted for a wire thickness for a theoretically circular wire geometry. The zero width case is thus the local minima for calculating inductance and force generation. Equations one and two are specified for general solenoids, while single wire pancake coils of n equals one are dependent on their alpha result, and whether the loop is circular or rectangular in cross section. You can see a variety of formula from six through eight for general self-inductance of a loop of a thin pancake and a wide pancake with rectangular cross sections. Tabulation of formulations 1, 6, 7, and 8 allow easy comparison of self-inductance values in their ranges. As with the earlier noted variants, it is important to understand the source of origin and the systemic effective factor selection. Use of a low AEI value is theoretically valid due to the cargo plate's homogeneous construction, and this will generate a much larger alpha with an artificial inductance as the factor tends towards zero. So the wide pancake case is discarded for cargo plate representation. The zero width wire case is also discarded as the natural log function is not defined as zero and the cargo plate does have a conductive cross section in reality. It must be noted again that application of the mu r factor to formula seven would significantly change the results as seen below in formula nine. The result, is presented as the solid metal cargo plate effectively has a large central yoke within the theoretical wire ERC and thus contextually aligns with one and two as discussed above. Each formulation is calculating a result based on the coil winding geometry, primarily affected by the number of turns and the yoke's enhancement of permeability when present. As such, the results of one are presented above before six and seven. Given the similarity between the geometries and results, the relative permeability mu r is applied to seven as with one for inspection of LE. The resulting range of sub-ERC inductance values will later be used to calculate a minima and maxima in a range of scenarios. 
Putting aside these noted sources of variance in inductance for now, to determine the induced current and resultant force pushing against the object above's inertia, the self-inductances of each component must be combined to determine the two-coil system's mutual inductance. The proposed single-coil design is presented to remove multi-coil mutual inductance calculations for clarity. However, the mutual inductance between each satellite solenoid and the ERC in the object above is the key to concept validation. In coils that share a central axis, the mutual inductance M can be quickly estimated according to formula 10. From the self-inductance L and the similarities of the Fabry coil design factors alpha and beta, the K factor is an approximation of 0 to 1 of coil similarity to remove elliptic moduli as a first-pass design test for easier calculation by hand. Concentric coils range from k equals 0.3 to 0.6, and closer to 0.6 if the Fabry factors relating coil heights and diameters are similar. The detailed formulation below in formula 11 incorporates elliptic moduli to accurately assess the interaction between two differing winding geometries midline radius. AS and AE, or total cargo plate radius AP at a distance rho from each other. The complete elliptic integral tables of the first, second, and third kind that describe the two coil systems can be seen in reference 31's example 3.81 on page 112, using tables 3.1 on page 84 and 3.2 on page 90, or online using the following inputs for solenoid and cargo subplate ERCs. Formula 11 shows the detailed mutual inductance of the thin solenoid to pancake coil at distance rho, while formulas 12 through 14 give the elliptic moduli. The cargo plate rests directly on top of the satellites, as shown above in figure 5. The distance rho between the outer edge of the solenoid and the ERC is minimal at first, but increases over time as a function of the force applied and thus object acceleration giving distance from the respective force application. Now a number of results are available to go through all the elliptics, and you can plug these all through online design calculators, but the pertinent result is a mutual inductance of 0 0.0031. Mutual inductance is an independent factor relating geometries of one coil to another in a context-specific manner. In the two-coil case considered, there is a vacuum between the components, so no mu r term is present to enhance the magnetic permeability of the space between the coils. The mutual inductance is purely attributed to winding geometries with no influence of current density or material selection, unlike latter formulations reliant on this relationship. In superconducting quadrupoles, the mutual inductance must be tightly controlled at the design stage to prevent unintended influence in the beam control fields and is often minimized to prevent the emergence of high current segments. In the proposed design context where maximizing component inductance is the goal, there will be a corresponding increase in mutual inductance as seen above in Formula 10. The result of M equals 0 0.0031 presents a reasonable result for two coils of differing winding stars resting on each other. The result is accepted for now, until it is tested further below, and the sample design is validated for the context. The pulsed magnetic fields created by each solenoid's total inductance, and rapidly pulsed current, determines the current induced in the surface of the object above, as seen below in Formula 15. Source 31 presents the case of two separate inductively coupled superconductive coils in problem 1.2's solution with the circuit analysis of figure 4 shown in equation 15 below. Once inductances are found for all components, equation 15 can be rearranged to find the pulse time-varying current induced in the plate, IP, in amps per second. The traditional substitutions of V equals IR is not applicable in the superconductive context, giving a simplified circuit analysis despite creating a number of other concerns in reality, such as current persistence in the coil filaments. The circuit analysis result is linearly influenced by the available current in the power supply and limited by the transformer's throughput rate to the solenoid. This reinforces the need for superconductive components with the highest current densities possible to achieve peak pulse power. Three scenarios are presented in the paper. 
the inductive minimum for scenario three and maximum scenario two, combining with the solenoid inductance of a six wire Rutherford cable, then a single niobium tin wire to show the variance between results for the derived calculation path. Discarding the unrealistic maximum of 74.3 million amps induced in scenario two, due to the engineering current density exceeding the capability of every known material, the reasonable result is between scenarios one and three, with the lower bound value of 2,478 amps induced in the cargo plate at the self-inductance minimum. The standard inductance formula produced reasonable results in isolation. However, when applied to the proposed design, generates strange outcomes which can only be assessed in verified and tested modeling tools. If the analytical path is correct, the results above may be regression tested and validated, confirming an over-engineering of the proposed Rutherford cable. Scenarios one and three are accepted to follow through the force generation equation and determine a launch capability of the design. When the derivation path is calculated with AP instead of AE, results diverge further, indicating that an AX test value at a one-to-one -one ratio with AS should be investigated to establish a system minima. It was highlighted above that the selection of radii for plate definition significantly affects results, thus AX is presented. The results of testing AS equals AX is null due to the dimensionless elliptic moduli, so a fractionally larger value for AX is then considered to maintain elliptical coherency such that AS is less than AX. Results are presented to inspect the theoretical ERC in the object above directly opposing the solenoid. At this stage, it is unclear whether the results are unrealistic from a foundational error presented in formulation or analysis, or if by absence of error the derivation path is correct. Scenario 1 and 3 produce valid current densities across a range of cargo plate radii, so their force application must be examined. Now moving on to section 5, Applied Force Derivation. 31 is a case study in superconductive magnet design and details the interaction of superconductor winding style to create self-inductance, then in multiple two-coil system design contexts but without the presence of yoke rods. 31's example 3.53 below is an analytical formulation of the proposed design context and uses only mu0 for calculating force as a result of inductance, as the two coils in the interaction are considered only in relation to each other in a vacuum. Reference 52 addresses the single solenoid context and includes the linear enhancement of the force by the yoke's relative permeability mu r, which was demonstrated as non-relevant from scenario 1 above. Reference 52's formula for force interaction include the term but are reliant on a material's resistance, which does not address the superconductive context of R equals zero. Despite this, the potential enhancement effect of the yoke rod is again noted, though not included, unlike above. Reference 31's example 3.53 illustrates the force experienced at the top of an unyoke coil in a long thin solenoid when acting against the pancake coil. That force derivation is shown below, utilizing the inductance and current inputs to scenarios one and three above. The results required in formula 17 include k-squared terms, but all moduli are identical to the earlier mutual inductance moduli. Across the variety of scenarios with results from the same tables of complete elliptic integrals. As scenario 1AE has a current density of 7.57 amp per millimeter squared, there will be a reduction in solenoid current required to ensure the selected plate steel is able to handle the induced current. Scenario 1AX is the clear preference given the highest Newton force generated, corresponding to the highest current in the smallest ERC size. As with the results above, the presented results are for single coil solenoid to a sub-ERC within the object above, so a number of factors such as coil count and yoke enhancement may be applied to alter results further. It is noted that the larger the ERC, the higher the current and the lower the corresponding force generation. As the design context proposed is a square array of four satellites underneath the cargo plate, 
The first result can potentially be combined linearly for a first-pass analysis. However, as demonstrated above, it can be seen that mutual inductances between the sub-ERCs will have an effect. Interestingly, the results of scenario 1AE and 1AX demonstrate that the 6-wire Rutherford cable gives a linear multiple of induced current compared to the single-wire scenarios 3AE and 3AX, while the force generated increases by 36 times, or 6 squared. This final observation gives strong evidence for the use of wide Rutherford-cabled solenoids in the proposed design context. The use of a yoked dual-coil solenoid with a correspondingly high total inductance between all subcomponents will thus produce the optimal result, despite the variances noted in ERC radii. Simulink modeling is a clear necessity to determine accurate electromagnetic field intercepts an ERC definition due to the noted sources of variance. The results will be accepted for now and inspected following definition of the cargo acceleration success criterion. Part 6. Success Criterion Isolation The force experienced at the top of the solenoid relative to the plate distance of rho is created by the interaction of the pulsed and the induced electromagnetic fields. This force is acting on both the solenoid top and the sufficient ERC in the underside of the object above. The force must exceed the inertia of the object above to create maglev thrust and initiate propulsion. To demonstrate the contextual object above's inertia, the standard of g equals 9.8 meters per second squared is used to generate the upper bound value for force required to move that object from its resting orbit. With the inertial force for a chosen mass and gravity set as the left-hand side of equation 17, and all other factors except the current IS and IE or IP being determined by the coil winding geometries, the equation can be simplified to optimize the power supply system. The reduction of all coil design factors and resulting elliptical factors into a single multiplier of the plate's induced current allows designs to be quickly inspected for validity in the same manner as Formula 10 above. Any inertial force requirement can be set that a required current found for comparison to the induced current. If the induced current is larger than that required, maglev propulsion is a success. Alternatively, if the induced current far exceeds the required current, Formula 18 could be rearranged to find the largest accelerable mass for any given design. The derivation path is applicable to any two-coil context, however the interaction formula do change based on winding geometry categories, as defined by the alpha and beta Fabry factors. The satellite-propelled cargo containers will be accelerated at tiered rates according to their contents. Construction and non-sensitive bulk supplies could potentially be launched at 50G pulsed acceleration. However, sensitive equipment may be limited to 20G acceleration, in line with NASA's 2018 Mars rover orbital entry speed. While the scenarios above discuss a steel plate's decomposition for electromagnetic analysis, from the presented dimensions, the calculated mass exceeds that of a 20-foot shipping container. With a cargo capacity of 25,400 kilograms. This leads to the conclusion that a variety of container designs can be substituted within that representative plate mass and then optimized to achieve success. To assess the viability of the overall system, both the cargo mass and the container mass must be totaled, then later optimized with respect to the pulsed solenoid strength and power storage capacity of the satellite. To accelerate the proposed cargo and plate at 50G for a 1 second pulse requires FT50 of 1749 kN to overcome the inertia, while F cargo 20 is 392 kN at the local minima of 22% of FT50. With the force requirements being met by a sum of propulsion vectors, the required force output per individual satellite is lower. However, the composition of this function must be investigated specifically due to the multitude of mutual inductances within the plate. While the peak current and minimum ERC size scenario is optimal, no presented scenario achieved the required current induction for a successful maglev propulsion within material limits.
Division of the induction requirement between four tethered satellites under the plate does not achieve the requisite current with the presented design either. Despite this, the investigation of the problem context and construction delivered valuable design conclusions. Moving on to the final segment, conclusions. The derived success criterion based on the induced current provides clear results for design assessment. The analysis path is applicable to any two-coil context provided the appropriate winding geometry substitutions are made. This leads to the conclusion that the paper's objective of isolating a general success criterion is achieved despite no presented scenario being successful. Discussion of the presented scenarios is able to inform future design thinking to prioritize solenoid inductivity, coil width, and current carrying capacity to generate the maximum force and overcome any conductive object above inertia. Further investigation of multi-coil solenoid design and cargo plate design is suggested as the solution to creating a successful scenario. The noted sources of variance in electromagnetic results from plate decomposition to theoretical ERCs is an area suggested for significant research to resolve the presented complexities in an analytical manner without resorting to finite element methods. These challenges can be addressed with the application of numerical methods in industry standard finite element modeling software, such as MATLAB Simulink Multiphysics Suite. However, all models are still reliant on the validity of their base assumptions. Thus, the investigation of geometry to frame this problem and bound it with current material limits and design thinking is the key to constructing a valid model. In summary, solenoid coil design determines inductance which is assessed against stored power to determine the induced current and resultant repulsion force required to overcome an object above inertia. The proposed propulsion method combines multiple maglev propulsion vectors to reduce the requirements on individual satellites and must be investigated with numerical methods. The swarm satellite application of high-energy pulsed solenoids in freight transport is a new use case for both technologies is proposed here for peer review and to initiate further research on design and componentry. Reaching Mars is achievable today with our current technology. The only barrier to entry is cost. Just as reusable rocket systems are drastically reducing the cost of orbital entry, mass-produced reusable inter-orbital freight transport satellite swarms could drive down the cost of freight crossing the void. Establishment of regular freight shipping lanes between orbits will be the connector that enables crewed missions to commence safely and provide the ongoing support required for humanity to become an interplanetary species.